praise the Lord. Welcome to Dominion Sonship Live again. And I have a, a message that um, I have to trust the Holy Spirit, just like any other Sunday morning, trust the Holy Spirit to bring about. I have a well full of verses, a well, living streams, and and I I will endeavor to yield to the Holy Spirit and and really dunk in that bucket and and trust that that it would just come up the right way. And um, we have been talking about the rest of faith. We have been talking about really the manner by which we hear the word of God, whether it is through our personal meditations in the word with the, the Bible in our lap, whether it's our personal meditation on, on something he has spoken to us in our quiet moment, whether it's through a, a preached message such as right now, the, the manner by which we hear really discern the voice of God will determine whether that message, that word of the living God would actually be benefit us. And so for about three weeks, we really majored from Hebrews 4 there and, and traveled to Hebrews 4 and some of Hebrews 3 and, and looked at the importance of not hardening our heart, that really when our heart is hard with the cares of the world and worldliness, then um, that creates a barrier it creates a resistance against the very life of God that is in the Word of God. And we cannot enter into the rest that the Word provides for us. The Word of God provides rest. How is this rest provided for us? Through the hearing of faith. Through the hearing of faith that when we hear aright, when we hear aright, just, I'm just lining things up. When we hear aright, when we perceive the voice of God, there is an endowed power within his voice to produce faith, to stir up our hearts to believe that which he has said, which would then move us into a movement of doing that is truly of the word and the Holy Spirit. And that is what faith looks like. Faith is not an idle belief system. Faith is an activation of divine life. Faith is an activation of divine life. And so the key to this really activation is the state of our heart, the state of our heart, the stillness of my heart. And through, through allowing his voice to still my heart and release faith, belief into that which he has said to me, it's placing me in a moment of rest, which we call trust. And so last week we looked at some examples of a turbulent soul. Uh, what it looks like, I think the message I titled last week was, was Hush to the Sea of My Soul. Hush to the Sea of Our Soul. And we looked at the, the wonderful disciples of Jesus. Look, really, they, they shook the world upside down. But when they walked with Jesus in a carnal mindset, not being born again, not having a renewed understanding that um, whenever trouble assailed them, their first response was not of faith. It was, we're dying, we're perishing. Uh, how are we going to feel 
feed this multitude, it was always a question back to Jesus. Do you not care? How is this possible? Well, isn't it supposed to be this way? And Jesus broke all of that mental ascent they had. And so the internal conversations that we have that are of the old men sound exactly. And we matched up some of the responses the disciples had in terms of him walking on the water and they thought it's a ghost and then him asleep on the boat and them waking him in the middle of the storm saying, don't you care, Jesus? That we can, in the old man, identify with those. But we're no longer to identify with that unbelief and carnality. We have a brand new nature, the very nature of Christ. And so we believe. And so I want to go back to Matthew eleven twenty. um, 6, 7, 28, 9, and 20, and 30. And um, we started, I believe, last week this way. And the message for today is willing to understand. Willing to understand. The focus was this inability last week of the disciples to understand. And actually... That message of last week, the Lord has spoken it to me in the middle of the night, that particular Saturday. And um, I had made some notes as he woke me up. And I want to read these little notes because it's kind of a, like a recap of last week that will move us into this week. Hush to the sea of our soul. He, Jesus, walked on the sea and walks on the sea of our soul. He walks on the sea of our soul and tells us we're going to make it to the other side. His word, his voice stills us. It brings forth an assurance that that which he said, we're going to make it to the other side. It is so. But in the middle of this moment of navigation of his word, carrying us across to that destination of what the word has pinpointed to be ours, that we'll make it. In the middle, a turbulence arises, a storm, and he is right there. He's right there in the storm. At rest he is and shows us how we too are to enter into his rest by trusting the word of our heavenly father. The way Jesus had to trust the word of God his heavenly father, he is demonstrating to us that we too, like him, are to trust the word of our heavenly father because our father loves us. And then I wrote, faith is rest. Faith or rest being the same comes by hearing him. Today, hear and enter into rest. That's really where the Sunday message came from last week was this what he gave me in the middle of the night. And so from here, we're continuing and we're going back to Matthew 11 uh, of Jesus speaking to his disciples that he his purpose is to disclose the Father to us. So verse 26, Even so, Father, for so it seems good in your sight. This is good in God's sight. What is good in God's sight is that we see him alone. What is good in our Father's sight is that the Holy Spirit was sent to us to demonstrate the love of the Father. And now he has sealed us with the Holy Spirit that is teaching us the ways of love, the ways of Jesus. And so Jesus said, it's good 
that it be so. Verse 27, all things have been delivered to me by my father and no one knows the son except the father, nor does anyone know the father except the son and the one to whom the son wills to reveal him. So here is a revealing of the father and it's for the whosoever because this is come to me given to all. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. We're talking about a disclosure of the Father. That Jesus said, God, you've sent me here to show you to the world. And then he speaks to the world, come and let me give you rest. So to know my heavenly Father is to know rest. To know my God is to know this rest because everything in the world is made to bring a heaviness of heart to us. Because to bring forth a laboring, never deserving the right thing, so now we have to earn the right thing. Going into this labor to earn, to, to come to a place of, of rest, never, never being able to attain this rest in the world. And so you have so many means that the world has come up with pharmacia, the, the pharmaceuticals uh, to, to, to bring forth an appeasement of a troubled mind, to bring forth a, a, an experience of a great vacation down on the ocean somewhere on the beach. An escape from trouble that puts you right into trouble. Because everything in the world is trouble. And that's what Jesus said before his departure. In this world, you will encounter trouble. Great trouble, can I say. Because Satan, Satan is the commotion and confuser and promoter of this trouble. And his dominion is trouble. And so Jesus says, I've come to show you the Father, and the Father looks like rest. Well, yes, he does. We can only go to the book of Genesis, first few chapters, and see how he rested. The chapter 1, he created and is now in the Sabbath day rest. And so he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And so here today, I believe we'll, we'll focus on, we'll focus on this moment. Come and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Keep the context of this. The context of this is knowing the Father. The context of this is not me having an experience. It is a moment of knowing forever, not just a fleeting moment of one experience five days ago or maybe in two days down the road. This is an eternal, perpetual rest of knowing my heavenly Father of trusting that which he says to me. 
Trusting that which he says to me is really how we get to know him. And you find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So then let's go to um, Mark. Actually, when we're talking about, let me, let me, actually I have my, no, this will be faster to go. Matthew 11, 28. Yeah, can you read that, Boris? Yeah, Eleven twenty-eight. yeah. Uh, then Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Carry it my Yes. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you. Yes. Let me teach you for because I'm humble and gentle at heart. I'm humble and gentle of heart. Uh, let's go to um, in Matthew 10, 24. He said, let me teach you, right? So he is my teacher. A disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they call the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be made known. So what I wanted to combine here is that he has come to teach us so that we be like him. So that we be like him, to be just like our teacher. And at that moment, the very next verse is that there will be misunderstanding as to what that looks like. That when we learn of him, because he's my teacher and I'm to be just like him, he said, a disciple, it's enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher. And then then right next after that is if they call the master of the house, if they call the teacher bells above, and that's where is the master of the flies, right? Then how much more will they call those of his house? So therefore do not fear them, for there's nothing covered that will not be revealed. And I wanted to tie this that when we come to these verses of him saying, come and learn of me, our teacher, I'm a teacher, we have to at that moment recognize that there will be resistance against him teaching us, that there will be a resistance to when we're taught of him, how we're perceived, because he was not perceived right. So it comes right back to the understanding. What are we understanding when he's teaching us? What are we understanding when we read what we just read in Matthew 11, that we are to find rest for our souls. What does that look like? And I think some of us Christians, we think that looks like no opposition. We think that that just looks like I can live any old way I want to be to, 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 to live and blend with the world because I don't want to suffer the persecution of the world. But here he said they called him Beelzebub and so there will be persecution in this hour. Actually, while we're in Matthew, let's go to... In seven, is it? Let me find my little notes here. In Matthew 6, 24. Willingness to understand. <laughs> 
No one, Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. So there is only one teacher that we are to have. There's only one teacher that we are to have, that we are to resemble. And yet we see here that there are two masters. And so we have a choice from whom we glean. Flip over to chapter 7, 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, whoever hears the sayings of this teacher and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. So here when he says to us, Come and learn of me. I will teach you. And this teaching that you receive from me, it is to find rest. It is a rest to your soul. At that moment, before we get, we, before we get kind of sedated by the thought, la la, okay, rest from my soul, just as the world thinks, we have to know that there will be opposition to this teaching. This opposition is because there's another master that wants to teach. Does it make sense? There's another master that wants to teach. And so, but we can't serve two teachers. We can't serve to teaching ministry, so to say. The flows are two of God and not of God. And so then he says that um, whoever hears his words, and that is whoever, back to Matthew 7, 24, whoever hears these things, actually it's whoever hears these words, the logos, I believe, of mine and does them. So whoever hears the right teacher, teacher Jesus, who is Jesus? The word of God. Whoever teacher hears this teaching, then we will not fall. No matter how many storms assail us, like here in this example of Matthew 7, is we see we see that rain descended, floods came, winds blew and beat on the house. There was a purpose behind this opposition. And really this opposition is 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 to bring destruction. It's not to edify you. Every storm is not to take you further ahead. It's to paralyze you. But he said to us, we're not to fear, right? Where did we read that? But don't fear them. Don't be afraid. In Matthew 10, 26, therefore do not fear them for there's nothing covered that will not be revealed. He will show you the source of that opposition. And hidden that will not be made known. Back to 7. 26 now, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, does not do them. Did I finish 25 where it said that after the blowing of the wind and the floods and the rain beating on the house, it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. 
And so now we have the opposite. The opposite, Kenneth says, if we listen to the other master. Because you can't listen to both voices and do both voices. So the one voice that you hear, the words of Jesus, though you might encounter some storms, you're going to make it to the other side. The other voice, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came exactly the same opposition and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell. But look at what is right after that. It fell and great was its fall. It wasn't just a little slippage. When you depart from the teachings of the word of God, the love of the truth, you're setting your own self for a great fall. For a great fall. Why am I saying this in light of what we've been teaching about? Because we have to realize that we are accountable to how we hear his words. And that there is a responsibility to how we hear his words. Together with we have to know that there's other voices that want to teach us as well. And the outcomes that we are reaping in life should be telling to us which voice we were listening listening all along. Now, this was just a sidetrack. So let's go back to Mark 4, 8. Actually, that's about the soil. Yeah, let's do 8, but I'm actually going more towards 10. Mark 4, 8. And this is him explaining the parable of, of the soil, the souls, the word of God, and the four different grounds. And we've looked at this uh, some time back, and you can go back and read it. But I just want to focus on the good ground here in verse 8. But the other seed, which is the teaching of his sayings, the teaching of his word. We're talking about him being my teacher, and that he has sayings that we are to heed to. So the seed is the word of God. But the other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, sprang up and increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60 and some a 100-fold. Actually, Matthew, I believe in Matthew, in that version, he says that they heard, I'm not going to lift it because it would just waste my time here, but you can go back and, and this account in Matthew, Matthew writes that they heard the word and they understood it. It's actually in Matthew 13, 26 for your own reference, because when he explains the parable here in Mark again, in verse 20, he said, but these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, those who hear the word, accept it, and that is to understand it, and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some a 100. So now let's go to 10, keeping in mind that we really want to identify with this ground. We don't want to be the ones that hear the word and reject it in our heart. We want to be the ones that have a heart that is receptive, willing to hear our master. Because to us in verse, actually, hmm, let's go, it's more 11, that um, the red letters there. He said to them, to you it has been given, to us, to us, the teacher said, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom. All right, so he said to us that he'll teach us with words, that he's come to disclose 
the Father to us. And when we really come to Him, for Him to show us the Father, we're finding rest for our soul. And I start off by saying that rest for my soul is really accomplished when I believe that which He says to me. And that which He says to me are mysteries of the kingdom of God. These are the mysteries of the kingdom of God that to us are made plain. To us, these mysteries are given to understand. But to those who are outside, to those who are outside, all things, they come in parable. In um, keep there, I just want to look at something in the book of Luke. In... I think it was in Luke 8. Just a minute. Yes. In Luke 8, the same story of the parable of the soul, the soul is the word. So what did we just say? To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, to those who are outside, all things come in parable. Look at here the explanation of one of the grounds of, 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 of the soils. Verse 14, now the ones that fell among thorns, that is the word that was sown in that particular soil of that heart, the one that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, what do they do? They don't enter into rest, but they go out. They go out. They go outside. They go out and are choked. How do they go out? How do they come out of this rest of God? Choked with cares, riches, and the pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. And yet he said to us, the good ground is made to produce fruit and bring it to maturity. And that which is sown in our heart are mysteries that our carnal man cannot understand. And to really go out is really to Try to figure your life from carnal means. And that is the biggest opposition to understanding the word of God. Is every time you're in your carnal mind, you're going out from this provided place of rest that the word gives you. He says, you will make it to the other side. You'll make it to the other side. No, no, I don't believe that. Jesus, look at the storm. Look at the floodwaters arising. Look, my boat is filling up. What am I going to do? I'm going to go out because I have a care on my mind. I desire to enrich myself. And walking with you, Jesus, there's no pleasure in it because those are the things that really is said in that Luke 8, 14, those that go out are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. I know there's a lot in just that little moment. It's a lot. I understand it. Willing to understand is an ability to hear with your heart. And that looks like a cleanup that really only the Holy Spirit can do. That looks like a straightening of sight to see the right teacher, the only teacher. 
and that we be like Mary at the feet of Jesus. You know, the story of the two sisters that were preparing a meal, at least they were supposed to prepare the meal, and the one was really busy preparing that meal, Martha. She was doing what was supposed to have been done. You got to prepare, make preparations, fix your life, prepare for retirement, prepare for a rainy day, make preparations. And there was Mary. Where is that story? Is it in Luke? Luke 10. Well, let's, since we're in the gospel, we're jumping up and down. So let's just do that. Luke 10, 38. Now it happened as they, as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into his house. Like she welcomed him. Like, so what we do, we welcome Jesus in our home. Welcome Jesus. You're, you're the Lord of my life. Now she had a sister called Mary. Mary, Mary was of a different kind. <laughs> Mary was of a different kind. I'm after the Mary kind who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word, heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. The one that welcomed him, the one that greeted him, the one that went to him first, Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, she was so distracted that she approached the Lord amiss. She was so distracted that she approached the master amiss. Here is the teacher. What are we talking about? Here is the teacher sitting and teaching. But she didn't want to comply with that. She didn't want to be found there. She was busy doing her own thing. What was the right thing to be doing at that moment in her mind? And so she approached him in the wrong way and said, Lord, do you not care? Doesn't this sound just like the disciples we read about last week? Don't you care, Master? We're perishing. They too were distracted with many cares. You do not care that my sister has left me to serve alone. She's left me alone. I'm all by myself. Don't you care? Therefore, tell her to help me. Oh, so sacrilegious. Oh, and yet, and yet we think it's so sentimental. We think it's so holy. Okay, Jesus, I know I'm not supposed to kind of, you know, I'm not going to talk to my sister so and so, but you tell her. You, Lord, she hears you. You, Lord, you tell her. You tell her I don't like what she's doing. I don't like what the brother's doing. I'm not going to come across like I'm judging him. But God, you know, you know what he's doing is not right. You go tell him, God. How often? How often? And here's an opportunity that when we come to the master to hear from him, to hear from the teacher, the way we hear his saying, it's building us up for the upcoming storm. It's building me up because, because he has said, you're going to make it to the other side. Doesn't mean I'm not going to encounter a storm. Exactly that moment, a storm will come to stop me in my tracks. Why? To take me out. How did we say we were taking out the cares of the world? I want to enrich myself. This boat is going down. There's no enrichment here. Serving God, serving God, serving God. Pleasure is in the world. No, it's not. Destruction and trouble is in the world. And so here is, here, here, look at, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. 
He answered her. He was so kind. He's so kind. He answered her. And he corrected her. He corrected her. Martha, Martha. <laughs> Martha, precious Martha. You're worried and troubled about many things. You're listening to many voices, but not my voice. Wrong teacher. Are you troubled today? Are you worried today? You're not listening to him. You're not listening to him. One thing is needed, he said. The one thing. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Do you know why? Because the word of God abides forever. And when you are allowed to stay yourself, to still yourself, to, to come into the rest of trust, of confidence of his word. And his word has been lodged in your heart because you don't have a but. You don't have a care to negate what he's spoken to you. At that moment, the word is found, the good soil, and it's producing peace and righteousness. It is producing fruit that endures. And it cannot be taken away from you. Cannot be taken away from you. And we like to be so heady. We like to be so heady. We like to teach everyone. Let me talk to you about God. And in the process, we get so busy. We get so busy. And we forget to come and be taught ourselves. We we'll forget to come and still ourselves back again to hear the teacher speak to us about the rest of God. The teacher disclosed the Father to us that would only bring life. That would only bring life. I am beyond my notes are not my notes anymore. I don't even know what I wrote. Let's go back to Mark. There was a sharp turn. I, I think maybe you took note of it. There was a sharp turn in my message to make me put me on the right path. Because I too have to sit still and hear his voice. I can't go with that which I thought was good. Because I don't want that word to be choked out of my heart. Go back to Mark, if you don't mind, Mark 11, 411, 411. To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parable. All things come in parable. In Mark is another story of a crossing of the sea. In, um, I want to go to there. So Mark 6, 45. Stay. Stay, stay locked in with Jesus. Stay, stay in him because mysteries are being revealed to you. Don't go outside where you would not understand that which he is speaking to you. Uh, Mark 6, 45. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida. Bethsaida. While he sent the multitudes away. This is, we read, I believe last week, the Matthew account of this. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountains to pray. 
So they went before him. He departed the mountains to pray. And uh, 47, now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. And this is it. You see, the boat was ever before him. He could see them, though he was not with them at that moment, physically speaking. Then he saw, verse 48 says, he saw them straining, straining, laboring, laboring to enter into rest, heavy laden. Why? Why? Because they did not believe what he said to them. He did not believe the dispatch he released them with. He made them go get into the boat and go before him. Ever before him we are. With dispatches, go and minister to so and so. Or stay put right here. Ever before him. But now we got to try and figure it out. It'll get ourselves in a little bind and a little mess. So now we start straining ourselves, rowing really hard. Let's get back to Jesus. He saw them straining at rowing for the wind was against them. Yeah, every time you step in fear. Anytime you step in fear, you encounter this wind against you. Fear is not your friend. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the scene and would have passed them by. I don't want to deal with your doubt and unbelief. He would have passed them by. He would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he walked, sorry, immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. Look at verse 52, though. Look at verse 52. For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. They had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. What was it about the loaves that they did not understand? Talking about the miracle of multiplication. Well, let's go a little bit just before the story. Let's go to verse 30. Verse 30. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Come aside, actually, some time back, the Lord spoke to me. This is a definition of a fast. Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So busy. They were so busy, they had no time to eat. Now, if we go a little deeper in the meaning of the understanding here, they had no time to eat the bread of the Word of God. They had no time 
to do as, Mar as Mary did, to sit at his feet and rest. They were so preoccupied in ministry. But he says, let's go to a deserted place, a quiet place, a separate place. And so they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he saw them, had great compassion because they saw them. I'm just kind of going fast here. He saw them a sheep without a shepherd. Verse 35, when the day was now far spent, the disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place. He called us here. He called the cares of the world. We just get so, so, so ruffled so quickly. This place of being still with God. Suddenly, it starts looking like a deserted place and there's nothing there. There's no food there. This is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away. The disciples said, send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. What did Jesus say? Did he say to them, you guys are so smart. I should do exactly what you tell me to do. You fearful things, you. No. He, he wanted to expose their doubt and belief. says, you give them something to eat. You feed them. Oh, my dear. Hasn't God done that for you? Oh, those, those moments of God are so convicting, and I'm so glad for those moments. And he said to him, "Shall look what they say. Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat. i got to look at the Passion Translation of this one because it's just too good. It's just too good. I should have a ribbon here. I should have a ribbon. So in Mark 6, 37, yeah, he answered them and said, you give them something to eat. <laughs> they said, are you sure? <laughs> you sure, Jesus? You mean, you, you mean your word is truth? You sure? You sure, Jesus? You, you sure that you, by your stripes I'm healed? Are, are you sure, Jesus? You sure that you love me? You love me? Are you sure? Ah, the internal voice tells me, uh, no, no, you're wrong, Jesus. Encounter it in your life. Deal with it in your life. These moments where you say, are you sure to Jesus? Are you sure, they replied, you really want us to buy them supper? Look at this now. Look, they're going to be good stewards, okay? It will cost a small fortune, Jesus. What you talking about? Small fortune. I don't have a small fortune. You sure you want me to buy that? You sure you want me to, to feed? No, Jesus, I don't have money. I got to be a good steward. I, I, I got to balance my books. How can we, on the day of judgment, excuse ourselves for not having obeyed him? And I, I believe in my other Bible, in my other King, New King James, I written here, a lack of revelation looks like standing right before Jesus, doubting his word. Are you sure, Jesus? It's going to cost me a small fortune. Don't you know the price is out there? 
Don't you know Jesus only makes so much? It will cost a small fortune to feed, to feed, to feed. What are we called to do? Feed my sheep. Without you eating his word, you can't feed his sheep. He had just taken them to a deserted place for them to eat. Eat him up. Eat his words up. There's a natural story, but there's also a, a deeper spiritual story here for us. He's the teacher. He's the living bread. In John 6, I, I can stay for two days here. In John 6, he is the living bread that we're to eat. He, you know, in John 4, in the story with the Samaritan woman, um, they were amazed that he was speaking to a woman and then he sends them to town because he, he just had sent them to town. They come and he's talking to a woman and they're like, you, you're hungry, you know, you, you, you must be hungry here. And, um, he said, um, you don't know the food that I have that I eat. And that was to do the will of God. And so here these, these wonderful people are with excuses. It will cost a fortune to feed all these thousands of hungry people. And then he said, what you got? How many loaves of bread do you have? What you got? He asked, go and see. Go and see. He's praying for their eyes to be opened up. And after they had looked around, they came back and said, but well, they really did not see it the way he wanted it to be seen. Five plus a couple of fish. You know, he's, they're, they're seeing limitation. He instructed them to organize the crowd and have them sit down in groups of, on the grass. And so they had them sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Then Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, gazed into heaven. That's where your provision is. That's where your provision is. That's the unlimited resource that you have. It's how you feed the multitudes. Look to heaven, gazed into heaven, and gave thanks. Thanksgiving is another one. Thanksgiving. The number one thing that goes when, when that, that, that care comes in is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I've got nothing to be thankful for. It will cost me a small fortune. Shut up and get back in the Word. That's what I tell myself. Shut up, Desi. Get back in the Word. To be in the face of Jesus and see limitation is the lack of revelation. To be in the face of this Word and to see limitation in your life is a lack of revelation. It is a lack of revelation and really at the end of it, potentially a hardened heart because they did not understand this moment here of this encounter of gazing into heaven and giving thanks and seeing resource, resource be made available through their own hands. They did not understand the power of the Christ life within them, in front of them and around them. And so when they encountered the storm they said we're going down don't you care or he's a ghost this is what they did not understand 
And so what did he say from there? He gave thanks to God, broke the bread and two fish, made it even smaller. <laughs> broke the bread into two fish and distributed them to the, the disciples to serve the people. And the food was multiplied in front of their eyes. Everyone had plenty to eat and was fully satisfied. Then the 12 disciples picked up what was remaining and each of them ended up with a basket full. Overflow, he is in your light. The abundance of understanding of revelation to you has been given to know the mysteries. You've been given the right teacher by sit at his feet. Sit at his feet. The twelve picked up what remained and had plenty left over. Altogether, 5,000 families were fed that day. i got to go to John and say something here. John 6. And I... I feel like I didn't even start the message. I'm so sorry. Oh, but God's going to have to build it up from here. This is what only Desi can do. God does everything else. Even this was all him too. He said, uh, John 6, 26, Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me. You seek me. Out of a selfish ambition, he's going to tell them here. You seek me. You want to sit at my feet for selfish ambition. I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. You wanted to feed your carnal self. You wanted to clothe your carnal self. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life which the Son of Man will give you. What did we say? Don't be heavy laden. Don't labor in the way of the world, but come to me. Come to me. See me alone. Do not labor for the food. This, I, I was speaking of, of in Matthew 11, 28, 29, right? Here he says, don't labor for the food which perishes. Don't go after things of the world. He'll add those to you. He'll add them to you. Seek him first. His kingdom, his righteousness, he's given you the mysteries of the kingdom. Seek him alone for who he is, not for these other things that perish. That kind of a labor takes you away from knowing the Father. Puts you in the wrong teaching. Of the wrong master. That when the storm comes, you fall and not just barely fall, but great is that fall. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to it. Everlasting life. Endures what? Labor for this food. Abide in the word. This eternal word, which endures to everlasting life, it never perishes, which the Son of Man will give you, will give you. That's why he says, come to me, come to me. He'll give it to us. He's giving it to us even now because God the Father has set his seal on him because Jesus said in Matthew 11, you saw it fit, Lord, to do it this way. It was good in your sight, Lord. And then 
verse 29, he says, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. In verse 32, he said, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. That is our Jesus. That is our teacher. His very word. Amen. We're done. We're done. Done. Glory be to God. Glory be to God.